President's Day. It used to be Washington's birthday. Actually, it still officially is Washington's birthday, but everybody decided to call it President's Day for some reason. Is that supposed to be inclusive? or who, Yes. Whose idea was that? Well, I think it's just for Washington and Lincoln, but it's somehow mutated that, to the point that nobody thinks about it at all and just calls it President's Day and goes about their lives. Huh. Because it used to be Lincoln's birthday was a holiday on the 12th and George on what, the 21st? 22nd. The, the more you learn about George Washington, he clearly was the most important president we ever had. Every Western democracy should have Washington's birthday as a holiday. In my opinion. Who was it that famously said, was it the King of England? Yes. When word got out that Washington was going to step down after his second term, and I think it was the King of England, said if he if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. Yeah, he's the greatest man ever, I think he said. George III. Yeah. Um, Willingly gave up kingly power. Oh, and he had, the, he had enough popular support, he could have done it. He could have pulled it off. Oh, yeah. Which is usually what happens with dictators. And then they just stay in. Right. Um, But he didn't. That's not what they had. Well, he was the president of the country. The reason he's such a big deal, one, that he did that, and that's just unprecedented before or since, but president of the winning the Revolutionary War and then running the Constitutional Convention, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely amazing. Nobody else could have done that. Nobody else had the support of all the different factions enough that they could have stood there in that room and got everybody to shut up and sit down and listen and and argue politely and come up with a constitution. Right. He had respect like, you know, mom or dad does at home mixed with Mr. Rogers. You know, you'd be angry, fighting, screeching at each other, swinging at you, kicking, clawing, etc. You know, metaphorically speaking, mostly at the Constitutional Convention and Washington would say, look, all right, we got to calm down. We got to talk about this. And everybody would say, yes, General Washington. OK, General Washington. And they would get together and talk about it, which is amazing. But most historians uh, who are worth a damn say he invented the modern secular uh, executive, the non-king who runs a country and then when his time is done says thank you all very much i'm going back home he more or less invented that uh, for modernity which is miraculous and and it was purely well it wasn't purely character it was also because he was sick and tired of politics yeah just really wanted to go home i think it's the chernow biography which is absolutely fantastic that's the same guy that wrote the alexander hamilton biography that forced that musical upon us oh no um but anyway the chernow biography in washington this starts with Washington at home, having, I think he's 53, something like that. Having won the Revolutionary War, he's done. I've done it. They drug me out. I went. I won the war. Good luck with that. I'm going to run my farm now. I'm going to hang out here and, and do my life. Right. And he was old by the standards of the day. And they started sending letters to him and visiting him in his house saying, we, we really need you to run the Constitutional Convention. That was the last thing in the world he wanted to do. Yeah. Then he got sucked into that, which took years. And then, of course, ended up being president for eight years, which is, he had no interest in doing any of that, but he knew he was the only person that could do it. Everybody else, it would have been like today. You got half the country who agrees, okay, I like them as president, and half the country says, that's a betrayal of everything that we care about. Mm-hmm. And it immediately went to that as soon as Adams was president. Right. The moment Washington was gone, we started with wealth similar to what we've got today. Yeah, I mean, horrifically bitter politics. You think now is bitter, please. Washington, or I'm sorry, Jefferson versus Adams? Awful. Just savagery. Oh, what else? There's one more thing I was going to say about old G-Dub or, or the period. Oh, yeah. teeth, re- cherry tree, slaves. Well, you have to remember, <clears throat> none of the above, that the country absolutely, not only was it possible the country would fall apart, it was pretty likely 
The idea that it would continue um, for a variety of reasons, including slavery, was really the long shot. And so, you know, when they said, G-Dub, we really, really, really need you, they meant it. They weren't like, you're the most popular guy and it'd be cool, like the current, you know, nomination for the who's going to run for president. It's not like, well, we need somebody. No, it was this, we are going to fail as a country if this does not work. Please, G-Dub, please abandon your fabulous uh, home there. And if you've never been there, it is fabulous, the location. It's just right there on the Potomac. It's gorgeous. Well, according to a guy named Zhu in China, they need to look at democracy. Maybe they can look to George Washington and our Constitution. China has reached a dead end. Democracy is the only way out, says a professor in China, who's almost certain to end up in prison and die in it. I'd be surprised if he wasn't under house arrest uh, as we speak. Anyway, over the weekend, he he wrote, uh, and he's one of their um, uh, popular writers and professors there in China. And he spoke out very bravely over the weekend. The coronavirus epidemic has revealed the rotten core of Chinese governance. He recalls the rise of a new generation of competent technocrats in earlier years. Now, he says, President Xi's campaigns for stricter controls and a return to Maoist ideology has led to a, quote, system-wide collapse of professional ethics and commitment. Mm. The Chinese government system now values the mediocre, the dilatory, and the timid. What's dilatory mean? Uh, Sean, I could get close, but we might as well have the actual meaning. Uh, slow to act. Dilatory. The, slow to okay. Act. So the Chinese government, this is true of bureaucracies, and I'm sure it's especially true of a communist bureaucracy. The Chinese government system now values the mediocre, the dilatory, slow to act, and the timid. That sounds yeah. about right from my right. my experience with bureaucracies. Right. Wow, that is so true. That's good. I might actually write that down. Yeah. Every bureaucracy I've ever worked in, that's who it seems it seems to value. Anyway. Well, the problem with communism, as we've discussed many times, and well in the future, and socialism, you have to ask the question, what are you rewarded for as an individual, as a government official, as a worker? What are you rewarded for? If And the, and the answer in the affirmative is as significant as the negative. What are you not rewarded for? And generally, in a system like that, you're rewarded for going along and pleasing the guy above you, not serving the people or being productive or working harder or being innovative. Nobody gives a crap if you're innovative. Well, have you ever been in a bureaucracy where it certainly appears that the best thing you could do would uh, be uh, be ignored? Like, just don't make any noise. Keep your head down. People don't know you're there. That's going to help you rise up. Be dilatory. I got to admit, I am somewhat confused because I've spent a lot of time in the last year or so reading all these articles and books and everything about China and watching interviews. I'm super into it. I'm a little confused how they're allowing all this to happen. How did they let the story of the doctor even get out that that he was uh, he was the one who discovered it and then the house arrest and then him dying? I thought that's the sort of stuff they controlled. It may it almost makes me wonder if they're not. It, if China's grip on power is not even close to as strong as they thought and they were letting on, hmm. similar to the end of the Soviet Union, there was enough rot through and through that they couldn't control people the way they thought at the very end. Um, and, for instance, how did this guy's writings get out? But a little more from him. The mess was caused by local officials in Wuhan who covered up early signs of the disease and has infected every province, and the rot goes right up to Beijing, he wrote. 
Moreover, the powerful in China's party state have all but extinguished any signs of a developing civil society. Those who might have provided an early warning of the virus crisis, such as a free press, were suffocated by censorship. Um, He goes on to denounce what he calls big data totalitarianism and WeChat terrorism. The latter being a vast internet police force that is empowered by the party state to oversee, supervise, and track every statement and action throughout the country. Well, like I was saying, with WeChat and everything else that they put in place to try to control that, how is this sort of information getting around? Of course, this got out to us. I don't know how much, how well read it is within right the country. Of China. Well, if people are angry enough, they will court trouble. You know, they'll they'll yeah. risk terrible punishment. And they're angry enough at this point. There's amazing anger inside China, judging by the experts I read. China is asshole. That's what they're saying. This, this professor was friends with, and I forget the name of the guy. Um, he was a Nobel Prize winner in China. He won the Nobel Prize. They threw him in prison, and he died in prison. Wow. Um, for speaking out against the Chinese leadership. So mm. we'll see what happens to this guy. Well, that'd be a hell of a thing if a uh, microbe, well, a virus, caused the uh, the end of the Chinese regime or a serious change in it. It is not impossible. So Xi was seen a couple of times over the weekend, the current dictator of China. I don't know why people call him the president. Why would you use the term he calls himself? It's hilarious. When he's just a dictator. But anyway, right. he was seen a couple of times over the weekend, and he famously stays out of away from TV cameras. But they had all over the country him walking into hospitals with a mask on, looking like he's on top of it. With and, his paw and a pot of honey. And they <laughs> and they put out the news that, uh, no, no, he knew about the, the coronavirus two weeks before it uh, erupted in the news in an attempt to try to make it seem like he's really on top of things. Wow. But it ended up kind of backfiring in with people saying, well, if you knew about it two weeks before it exploded, why didn't you do more to stop it from exploding? Mm-hmm. So it was... Kind of a no-win situation for him. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the poor Chinese people, they don't need a terrible disease or to die of a respiratory illness. But I've got to admit, there's part of me that's rooting for this to get completely out of hand yeah. in China. Yeah, it would be and, the best thing for the world, You know, perhaps. I don't have an actual role in having that happen, so I don't feel that guilty about it. But it would be, uh, well, at the very least, it'd be incredibly interesting to see where it went from here. It could well go. In the direction of another horrific crackdown. The whole Tiananmen Square thing, please. You don't need more the, uh, examples than that. Which could end up being a good thing, because sometimes the crackdowns go too far. And... Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That uh, is a real tough one. <clears throat> yeah, what it looked like. but uh, So I guess we'll see. Uh, I will tell you this, though. You have been downplaying the coronavirus. Yes, uh, I have. You're a downplayer. I continue to. The U.S. government is quarantining anybody who might even conceivably have it. Do you think eh, they're well, going overboard? Eh, why not? Why not? Why 14, not? 14 days is a long time to be quarantined. I, I would like the vacation, actually. Oh, I got to stay in my room with just my uh, smartphone and an internet connection for the next two weeks? Okay. You got Wi-Fi here? We're, uh, we're good. And I'm you're going to feed me? I yeah. got a bathroom? Okay. Get a little reading done? What's the chance of hitting the old uh, BevMo? A little is sleep. that uh, allowed or what? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm quarantined. I'm not jailed. Exactly. Surely I can, you know... Have the wife drop me by a couple of nice uh, bottles of the red or something, huh? Yeah, it doesn't sound that bad. No. I'd like to help with the kids, but I'm, I, I might have the coronavirus. And if I'm not showing symptoms, they'd probably give you a tour of the Air Force Base, right? Sure. you got to wear a mask and all, but whatever. look at the planes and, and such. I could stay in my room for two weeks, like a ring and a bell. be yeah. easy. Yeah, you know what you could do is you could stop by the uh, the Fisher House there at Travis Air Force Base that was practically built through the contributions of the Armstrong and Getty audience. That would be one thing you could do as long as you're quarantined. 
At some point, don't breathe on anybody who's sick or who's recovering, though. Please. At some point, this I talk a little about the All Star Game and Kobe Bryant. It's not a sports thing; it's a uh, cultural thing. Charles Barkley went there on bringing up the whole rape accusation. Oh, uh, really? Got a little blowback on that. So uh, huh. that and other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This influenza that is now circling the globe, you're saying that silver solution would be effective. Well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of the coronavirus, but it's been tested on other strains of the coronavirus and has been able to eliminate it within 12 hours. So, tele-evangelist Jim Baker claims to have a cure for the coronavirus in a bottle. Is he selling it? First of all, I had no idea Jim Baker was still alive. Yeah. He's still alive doing his thing? Well, Ripping people off? Yeah, it's a in different the name of Jesus? scam. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just uh, I got back a little late. Is is the coronavirus a Jesus thing? The the coronavirus cure? Is it just, he just is he into fake medicine? Yeah, now? he's I, selling bottle for a dollar. Uh, not a dollar twenty nine, one hundred and twenty nine dollars is what it is. It sounds yeah. like he's just trying to profit off of fake yeah. coronavirus cure. God, he has no limits. No, apparently not. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, the, the two great scams are fake medicine and fake religion. So later this hour, how far the NBA All Star Game went in honoring Kobe Bryant, and then just what you think of that, I guess, and Charles Barkley. Uh, going to the the unpleasant Kobe Bryant story, which is kind of surprising to a number of people. And uh, what's the other thing? Oh, we haven't gotten into the seat back controversy, seat back gate on Delta Airlines. Is it yeah. Delta? Well, maybe we'll do that next hour because that's exploded into a major controversy. My opinion will shock you. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Michael, Happy me President's up. Day, everybody! Oh, that's right. We ought to do some President's trivia. Are we in the mood for that? Oh, and we got one more trivia. thing. Anytime we need a little. I don't know. This is like a punctuation, a comment. This is Chaka Khan. We're going to use this. Yeah! We got a number of those. Just if, That's like, if you good. need a punctuation or a. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that one's got a bit of a stepped on a nail vibe. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, here's a little uh, presidential trivia for you, everybody. Herbert Hoover approved the Star-Spangled Banner as the national anthem. There you go, Herbert Hoover. How about that? All right, turn it off. The turn great it engineer. Uh, make it so I can uh, play audio, would you, Michael? There's a, uh, a race going on, not a presidential race, but a race for the most blanked-up West Coast city. Seattle and San Francisco are really battling it out. San Francisco scoring points with uh, uh, junkies and people pooping in potted plants and that sort of thing. But Seattle, with a, with a counter blow. Oh, we just got two minutes. I tell you what, let's play some of this. This was at the Seattle City Council meeting. Unwelcome sight in the neighborhood, a developer is being greedy. There's a hole in the sky where a tree once stood. This is a public comment. 
Such a lack of life and sound. All that's left is bare, muddy ground. A magnificent tree was murdered. The mighty dollar cut it down. Oh There's a hole in the sky where the tree once was. Somebody's making money. Stand up. There's a hole in the sky where the tree once was. Somebody's making money. Laws protect exceptional trees, but the city grants exemptions to these. Instead, they reward the developer's greed and sanction the murderer's deeds. The murderer. There's a hole in the sky where the tree once was. Yes, sing along if Somebody's you know the words. making money. There's a hole in the sky where the tree once was. Somebody's making money. No more leaves shimmering with golden light. No more gentle shedding of rain, <laughs> nor tulip blossoms rustling in the wind. This, now nothing remains. This really sounds like something Lisa Simpson would sing at a city council meeting in Springfield, doesn't it? making money. There's a hole in the sky yes, where the boy. tree once was. Somebody's making money. There's a hole in the sky, in the sky. I like trees, but murdered a little over the top. Yeah, now San Francisco bouncing back with a district attorney who incentivizes property crime. He's pro-crime. But, uh, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> There's a hole in the sky where a tree once was. Somebody's Making money. Stand up. <laughs> That's going to be the stuck people in, in the back now. I had all day long. <laughs> Just oh. the ladies. It is President's Day coming up in a little bit. We got some um, uh, Presidential Day uh, information for you. Um, President's Day? President's Day information for you. Also, the Nevada caucuses are this Saturday. There's a debate Wednesday night. What did I do to deserve that? Um, it could be a good one if Bloomberg's on the stage. That's not certain yet. It, it got until midnight tomorrow night to reach certain qualifications. What's oh, it? I thought he was in. I thought he was, too. Huh. What's interesting is... It's as if the media stinks at their job. What's interesting to me is... Originally, when they said Bloomberg might be in, there was like a revolt among the candidates. Now it's the other way around. He's risen so much in the polls. They're all arguing, get him on the stage. Figure out a way to get him on the stage. Amy Klobuchar said, I can't compete with him on the airwaves. My only chance is to beat him on the debate stage. So he needs to be there. Let me at him is what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It makes perfectly good sense. Huh. Why would you want to let him sit back and, and characterize everything in a in an ad with no questions asked? I can't believe you're you're about to dupe me into watching another one of those stinking debates. Every time one comes up, hey, am I wrong on this, Jack, with this? This one really probably will be exciting. And you give some reason that sounds reasonable. And I'm always and wrong. And it's terrible. I'm always wrong. Terrible. Um, I can't imagine how this one would be boring, though. You've got a billionaire up there who's running because he thinks Bernie would be a disaster. Yes. Bernie thinks billionaires are the root of all evil. Wait a minute now. <laughs> how, how do you not end up with a serious clash at some point? Well, and you've got an increasingly desperate old man, Biden. And up starts like Klobuchar thinking, wow, my dreams are starting to blossom. And this old guy from New York, different old guy, this one, uh, Bloomberg, he could ruin everything. So she's got to take him off, uh, take him out at the knees, as they say, 
uh, first opportunity. So, yeah, it could be exciting. I watched Biden on Although, then, but, but then, and you've pointed this out, Biden, for instance, will say something strong. It's practically part of his stump speech. And then he gets up on stage and chickens out. Yeah. I apologize for that. Yeah, well. I watched Biden on Meet the Press yesterday. It's the first time I'd watched Meet the Press in months because they are an op-ed page. God, it used to be the it was the best show forever with Tim Russert running it. It is, well, whatever. You know, they're making their choice to try to carve out a niche for themselves. Right. But anyway, part Joe, of the resistance. Joe Biden has started doing Sunday morning interviews because he's desperate. He, sta- he, he wouldn't do those shows which is not a good sign when you're staying away from free press. But anyway, I actually felt sorry for him, and I don't mean that in a um, sarcastic, mean-spirited way. I actually actually just felt, there. here's a guy who's he's just past his prime, mm-hmm. and, he, and he knows it, and everybody knows it. And he's way sharper than he's coming across, or used to be anyway, and it's just, it's, just, it's not cool. Yeah, it's it's it, so it left was, me feeling sad. He was a little doddering there at the, uh, the yeah meet the press. Yeah, and he seems like a really nice guy, but he's just an old man who's passed. He wants it to happen, but I think he knows in it, it deep in his heart, or maybe not even deep in his heart, maybe like right up front, he knows. I just don't have it. Well, I just don't have the energy anymore. It's a measure, not a joke. It's a measure of the state of the Democratic Party that a guy who I had already run twice badly never won a state they thought well with the gravitas of the vice presidency and he's kind of liked and he's moderate yeah 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 he's the guy and all got behind him and his candidacy has gone nowhere except in the media if you never read any political news except for results of votes which would probably be a pretty good way to approach your life if you don't do this for a living, um, then you'd think joe biden no no he's the guy who uh he's what like fourth in iowa and fifth in new Hampshire. Why are people talking about him? Right. Well, his response would be as it was to sleepy-eyed Chuck Todd in his weird haircut yesterday. He said Bill Clinton lost his first eight contests or something like that. That's a good point. Bill Clinton was half your age. and uh, Sharp as hell. A lot sharper. Yeah. Anyway, um, the NBA All-Star Game was over the weekend, and you, you would have expected that it had a little Kobe Bryant focus on it, but, man, they, re- they really went heavy. That's It's amazing the... Um, how long-lasting this whole Kobe Bryant phenomenon is. But anyway, Charles Barkley, a bunch of heavyweights were uh, in town for the All-Star Game over the weekend, and he was interviewed about Kobe Bryant at some point. Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest basketball players ever, and he had a flaw that we all know about. You have to tell the picture in totality. Uh, We're not trying to make Kobe out to be no hero. We're celebrating his basketball excellence. We understand what happened in Colorado. That's fair. But two things can be true. I thought that was interesting that uh, Charles thought he needed to go there on the Today Show on Friday. Uh what what, What is he saying, reading between the lines there? Mm, He's a little bit uncomfortable with the... Uh, entirely positive he was a superhero and universally beloved coverage of his his terrible death. Was acquitted? He was not acquitted. He was not acquitted. No, No. they settled out of court. Yeah, the victim uh, said she did not want to testify, and they they came to a a settlement in which Kobe said, look, I thought it was consensual. She says it wasn't, Um, and and I feel terrible about that, and I apologize. 
Um, anyway, so I thought it was interesting that Charles went there. And uh, then the All-Star game, just speaking to whatever this, call it hero worship, call it respect, whichever side you're on of this. Um, maybe you're bothered by the hero worship. Maybe you think it's good to pay this level of respect to somebody at this high up in your estimation. But the All-Star game they had, Jennifer Hudson sang a special song to open it that was like four minutes long with a, a video going on. They, for um, Kobe. For Kobe. Okay. And then they had uh, a one team wore the number nine on their uniforms for the number of people who died in the helicopter crash. I thought Oof. that was a little odd. That is a little odd. And then uh, the other team wore number two because that was his daughter's number. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. That's uh, um, they also have a new scoring system that was inspired by Kobe. The shot, the, the new award you get at the end of the game is called the Kobe Bryant Award. They also did a halftime thing for Kobe Bryant. And then when the shot clock would get down to eight, it would turn purple or yellow or whatever it was to symbolize because he was the number eight to once again remind you that this wow. is a Kobe Bryant. I mean, wow. Seemed pretty over the top to me. Yeah. But I don't know. Whatever. You know, the crowd loved it. So, yeah, I I get it. That he's, you know, one of the biggest players in the sport, but yeah, well, I, yeah, I, it's it's interesting when you're observing that sort of thing that other people are feeling and you're not. Hmm. Um, I I don't get it. I don't get that way with celebrities. Period. It's not a Kobe Bryant thing. It's got nothing to do with Colorado or anything. Charles Barkley said. I just I'm not that way with celebrities. Right. I um, mean, great basketball players are, are great basketball players. I don't tend to worry too much about that. But anyway. That is interesting that they went that over the top. I didn't watch it. <laughs> that is a lot. Anybody play any defense? I'm just kidding. Well, the final score was 157-154 or something like that. Yeah, the, the... the final quarter was packed with defense. They were actually playing hard. It, it was phenomenal. But they it's partly because of a rule change that they implemented this year. It's called the, the Elam Quarter, uh, named after the guy who came up with it. But as opposed to the game ending when the clock strikes zero... They, uh, I think it's largely somehow based on the first three quarters of scoring, but for the fourth quarter, they, they, they pick a point total and say the first team to get to this point total wins the game. Wow. And from what I read, it was some pretty serious, it was the awesome. best NBA players going as hard as they could. Yeah. Really? Why? Yeah. yeah. There were guys trying to take charges. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, Why? Competitiveness, and it, I guess. It or? got chippy and just the whole thing. I but mean, they keep score? I mean, what's the difference whether they have the score to reach or who has the most points at the end of the game? I don't understand why that would change their motivation. That's a decent question. But it did? It, it, def- it definitely did. The product did. on the floor was unlike any other NBA All-Star game I'd ever seen. What do you know, There, there were hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations on the table for two different charities, and they had kids involved in the charities on both ends of the courts just ah, screaming throughout the whole game. Oh, so the gotcha. place was jacked up, and these okay, guys so were playing. So if you them. don't play defense, Joe Getty, it's, oh, so there's kids over there. You just don't care if they get the charity money, I guess. All right, right fine. Exactly. You don't like sick Whether kids, fine. cure cancer or not, or you know, help inner city kids or not. Yeah, okay. All right, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, one quarter defense is better than zero. Yeah, cool. And Kawhi Leonard uh, won the MVP, the Kobe Bryant Award. There's also the pickup game aspect of it where the two cap. it's not your typical East versus West. Right. There were two captains. They kind of like a playground. They said, all right, I'm going to take you on my team. Then the other guy got to pick. And then they- so it, was, right. it had a more kind of playgroundy feel to it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, I like it. Why not? I went to an All-Star game once many, many years ago. It was fun. NBA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd forgotten it was happening. Do I understand correctly that Buddy Buckets Healed won the three-point shooting contest Indeed in the Sacramento did. Kings? There you go, buddy. Good news for Kings fan. First good news since 
The Lakers won in that fixed sixth game. Wow. Like 100 years ago. Wow, <laughs> never forget. I'm just I'm, I'm pandering to Kings fans. Lakers, wow. you have trophies. Kings fans have uh, conspiracy theories. <laughs> we should probably look at Seatback Gate that has kind of erupted. Uh, is it Delta Airlines? Is that the right airline? Yes. And uh, how that has played out? A viral video, then the um, president, CEO of Delta having to weigh in on whether or not you get to lean your seat back. No oh boy. Lean back your seat a little bit. You know, this is uncomfortable. Half inch back? Oh, no. Oh, come on. Luxurious. <laughs> Please. We'll dig into that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think customers have the right to recline. Uh, we've been testing reduced recline and, and seeing response on that. We actually have a fair amount of our fleet on a reduced recline as a result of that. But I think the, the proper thing to do is if you're going you're gonna to recline into somebody that you ask if it's okay first and then you uh, do it. If someone knows there's a tall person behind them and they, they want to recline their seat, I think the, the polite thing would be to make certain it was okay. That's the uh, CEO and president of Delta Airlines after a viral video, which I haven't watched. Have you? Who's watched it? I've seen it. You've seen it. Yep. What, what happens there? So uh, a bit of table setting. A gentleman in the last row, so his seat can't recline. Right. The person in front of him. The difference between reclining and not, of course, is an inch. Yes. The person in front of him reclines. He's not too happy about it. I don't recall if he says anything at first, but he essentially just begins shaking or as it's described in often articles punching the back of her seat repeatedly and then who took the video uh, another she passenger did. oh she did that's uh, right yeah yeah is that was it it doesn't matter but uh, so the uh, and she's mad now because the flight attendant was sympathetic to him and not to her yes and so now she's going to sue or something of course she yeah. is uh, because uh, not being able to lean her, right there. because not being able to lean her seat back a half an inch just devastated her but uh well the whole thing is is it's always seemed odd to me that it's <laughs> that it that, that it had existed to start with yeah just how, eliminate how, it how how well especially now so back in the day when i first started flying well i didn't really fly regularly until i was like a grown up but the seats used to be far enough apart that it wasn't that big a deal but now the seat backs in your f- right in front of your nose when right. you sit down yeah before they lean it back, if they lean it back, you can't even uh, you can't even move. I'm hearing people say, "Look, the seats recline. Obviously, it's okay to recline them." End of discussion. Yeah, except it's stupid that they recline because they've eliminated all the leg room. So now you've got to fix them so they don't recline. Because as you pointed out, Jack, you go from almost no room to just completely uncomfortable. And it's just it's just dumb. Well, I never yeah. do it on principle just cuz I know how little room the person behind me has. I just I'm not going to. But I don't know. I don't I also don't care that much and everybody seems to be up in arms about the controversy and just make it so they don't recline. You don't give enough room to us to have them recline. Hardly anybody treats me worse ever in my life than uh, airlines. They just treat you poorly. Yeah. They just did that. Yeah, you don't like it? Fly somewhere else. Oh, you're not going to, are you? What are you going to do? Take a train? Because there's not a better flight uh, you, to take you where you're going, so you're just going to keep going, aren't you? So we'll continue to treat you like crap. Yeah. Well, the option is you go for the economy plus or whatever your airline of choice offers. Uh, 
the more legroom rose. Mm. So you can actually pay a little more for a little better. But most people choose not to. Now, if you live in a, a a place where Southwest is almost always your best bet, they just you just you get what you get. I try to yeah. go for the emergency exit rows. Those tend to have a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. leg room. So does everybody. Uh, I tell I you don't what, though. Be, I don't because I don't, it doesn't bother me that much. So I figure I'll let a taller person take it. The uh, That's beautiful. You're very Gandhi-like. So uh, <laughs> the president of the airline, they're suggesting that we just, uh, you know what, everybody be courteous and kind to each other. Yeah, great idea. You ever been on one of your airplanes? <laughs> Everybody's a jerk. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's the unwashed masses. When are they gonna... Is this guy picturing everybody's got a, a suit and tie on and the women are in fancy dresses and heels to fly or what? <laughs> it's a bunch of yoga panted yuck yucks. <laughs> and if you have the conversation with the lady in front of you and she refuses to unrecline her seat, you don't punch the back of her seat in some sort of adult tantrum. You just talk about her passive aggressively in a tone that she can clearly hear because she's stand- <laughs> sitting right in front of you. Right. That's how you deal with exactly. it in America. Right. Exactly. So I got the yeah. And if she puts on noise cancelers, then you shake it. Pretend you're on the phone with your wife. Yeah, I got this loser in front of me. Won't put her seat up. Yeah, I don't know if she was no, just picked she, on as a kid or what happened, but she's the worst person I've ever met in my life. She's right. allowed to be a jerk. I get it. <laughs> yeah, is she ugly? Oh, she's ugly. Yeah, really, really ugly. An ugly woman. The only Overweight part, too. The worst, huge hips. Worst part of her seat being back is I can smell her better. Oh, oh boy. An aggressive yeah. scent. Yeah, you could get creative with it if you wanted to. <laughs> hey, you... some President's Day stuff for you. All you want right, something on not? President's Day? Sure. Wouldn't that be great? This... <laughs> You've got to pretend to have some enthusiasm Sorry. for some of the show <laughs> bits. I need to get with the system. You having a good time, Joe? <laughs> I'm, uh, if everything uh, we do on the show you dismiss is a bad idea, well, it's just they usually not sure it is the thing, though. It's experience. <laughs> You're a waiter at a restaurant. I think I'll get the steak. Ooh, the steak. Oh, jeez. Well, all right. right. Okay. He wants, he wants the steak. Hey, Jimmy, he ordered the steak out here. Can you believe that? <laughs> uh, top approval ratings for the past 10 presidents, and I thought this was kind of interesting, as we are clearly in a new era with Trump. And whether this lasts or not or it's unique to Donald Trump, I don't quite know. But um, the highest approval rating, and it comes for a variety of reasons. Like Lyndon Johnson had a seventy nine percent approval rating, wow. approval rating because everybody liked Kennedy, and Kennedy had been killed, and we're kind of rallying around the hey, you don't get to kill our president, and worried about the Russians and blah blah blah. So he had almost an eighty percent approval rating for a little while. Then the Vietnam War overtook him. Nixon had sixty seven percent at some point. I don't know where or why. Gerald Ford had seventy one percent briefly. Mm-hmm. Carter was at 75%. Carter at 75 That had to be in the honeymoon period, right? I guess. Back when there used to be that. This is probably true for most of these people. Uh, Reagan was at 68%. I don't know if that was at the very beginning. Now, H.W. Bush, 89%. uh, Gulf War, I remember that. Bill Clinton, 73%. Probably right when he came in. George W. Bush was at 90% because because of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama had fired that strike at Yankee Stadium. Should have been a hundred percent. That was one of the great moments in presidential history. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. And not an easy I know thing. That. Not an easy thing to pull off with that kind of pressure. Either. No, he warmed up in the umpire's uh, locker room. Little known fact. Barack Obama had sixty-seven percent. So seventy-nine, sixty-seven, seventy-one, seven. So around the, the the high sixties is the lowest, and a lot of people in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's highest has been forty-nine, which was last week. Wow. That's lowish. 
I'll tell you one Whatever. thing. Whatever. Whatever. One thing you would not have been able to predict is that Donald Trump's highest approval rating would come in the last year of his first term. Mm-hmm. That Steadily up. climbing upward. Slowly but steadily. Yeah, but we might be in a different era where, I don't know. It could well be that, especially for a while, no Republican voter will say, yes, I approve of a Democratic president. People are just, they're, they're in their bunkers. They're, they're on a war footing. We're not allowed to reach across the aisle or be charitable or understanding. And part of it has to do with policy. You know, the policies have swung outward. I have eaten a donut for the most consecutive days, I think, ever in my life. Really? I remember when we used to eat them a lot way back in the day, but that's shocking to me. You were off the donuts for a while, weren't you? Well, yeah, no grown man should ever eat a donut. Mm. It's, it's, you can't come up with a reason for it. Did you see what happened to that uh, days old donut that was out there? Sean ate it. Yeah, he did. That was my second one today. Oh, <laughs> oh really? So you, you got a bit of a donut thing going. Uh, if if on Mondays uh, one of the weekend anchors he often brings in donuts, and if there's some here, I think uh, I've got. I'll eat one. I think I've got nine consecutive days of having at least one donut. Wow, which is pretty impressive. Wow, have you weighed yourself? Yeah, steady. Uh, so yeah. Have you looked at yourself in the mirror? <laughs> I try not to. I turn the lights down really low just to brush my teeth wow. so I don't smear the toothpaste on my forehead. Well, eat, eat up, doughboy. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.